We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 462 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. It is my birthday. (laughs) Yes, the day of my birth. Uh, I turn 43. I am beginning (laughs) my age 43 season. Yeah, Uh, I tell you, time is ticking away, man. Time is is moving quickly. You're in your 20s, and then all of a sudden, you're in your 40s. You cannot stop time. Uh, One of my favorite lines in sports was from this guy, Jim Murray. Uh, You may have heard of Jim Murray. He worked for the Los Angeles Times for decades, was a writer and columnist. Uh, Jim Murray once wrote of Michael Jordan, uh, you know, the former Wizards player, quote, he's as unstoppable as tomorrow, end quote. I've always loved that line, as unstoppable as tomorrow. Because when you think about it, nothing is as unstoppable as tomorrow, as time. No matter what, tomorrow is always coming. Time is always moving. There is no stopping time. Whether you're having a good day or a bad day, whether things are going well or going poorly, another day is always coming. There is no stopping time. You see, we're getting philosophical on this installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Anyway, thank you already to Yeno and Dr. CCB for the birthday wishes, and thank you for listening uh, to the podcast. A special guest is coming up on the show, Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. Very smart guy, very plugged-in guy. We're going to get into a number of things on the Commanders, including the playoff push, uh, the quarterback situation, the ownership situation, and the stadium situation. Uh, Michael has done a lot of good work in covering the Commander Stadium saga. Uh, Now, I mentioned the quarterback situation. We on Monday had some news. The Commanders activated quarterback Carson Wentz from the reserve injured list to the 53-man roster. So Carson is back on the active roster. Uh, Also, the Commanders on Monday placed center Tyler Larson 
on the reserve injured list. Uh, next segment, I'll discuss the implications of both of these moves. Uh, Taylor Heineke is set to be the commander's starting quarterback for the monster game against the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football at 820 this coming Sunday night. But now that Carson is back, you do wonder if we are a bad Tay-Tay performance away from Carson being reinstalled as the team's starting quarterback. Uh, Also on the show, hit on a variety of other Washington, D.C. area sports items, including the Wizards. Uh, They lost again, a 112-100 loss to the Brooklyn Nets at Capital Win Arena on Monday night. The Wizards, who have been slammed by injury recently, did get back Will Barton, uh, but then lost Chris Dapps Porzingis to injury. Uh, The Wiz now have lost seven consecutive games and 10 of 11 games. Uh, Things not going well for the Wiz right now. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I got quite a bit of feedback to the uh, scheduled fun with which I began Monday's show, episode 461. The scheduled fun was the usage of the all-time great theme song from the television show The Jeffersons off the Commanders moving on up the NFC playoff standings via the New York Giants and Seattle Seahawks losing on Sunday. Tweet from Jay Stavish, best episode entrance ever, moving on up, had me rolling. Email from Kim, You absolutely cracked me up. Email from Devin. When your intro music came to a screeching halt and the Jeffersons theme song came on, I laughed out loud and my two boys started dancing in the backseat. Best show intro to date. Email from Murph. Way too funny. The introduction was great. Keep on trucking, Al. Well, thank you for all of that. You know, you never know uh, how something out of the ordinary is going to be received. So I'm glad that at least a few people like that. Uh, I did get this email from Matthias. uh, Writes Matthias, I've listened to every show. I know every soundbite drop. You had your fun this once (laughs) with the intro music. Don't ever do that again. Intro song yesterday, today, forever. Uh, Well, thank you for the email, Matthias. And I hear you, man. You know, the intro song for this podcast is so bad, it's good. And the song has made like an emotional connection with people, you know, because again, it's so bad that it's good. The intro song for this podcast, as some of you probably remember, was the first big show topic. Uh, Initially, people hated the song, But the song then seemed to grow on people. And so the song has remained. It is so bad, it's good. Uh, The intro song and whether I should curse on this podcast, uh, those were the two big show topics in the early days of the pod. And when I say early days, I mean uh, nearly two years ago when the podcast started. A tweet from EJ Walker on the Commanders, writes EJ, do we know who is playing center for Washington? We weren't very good when we had Martin there earlier in the year. Uh, Yeah, my hope is that with Tyler Larson now on the reserve injured list, that Wes Schweitzer and not Nick Martin will be the commander starting center. But there are a lot of questions with the interior of the commander's offensive line right now. Much more on all of that next segment. But if you have questions about buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area right now, uh, no two things. Now is a good time to buy a home. And the person with whom you should buy a home 
is real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Now actually is a good time to buy a home. Yes, mortgage rates have gone up. There's no question about that. But the increases in mortgage rates have led to an increase in housing inventory. And that increase in housing inventory is driving down prices of houses. Uh, You right now can get really good homes in the Washington, D.C. area at bargain prices. And remember, you can always refinance once the mortgage rates come back down, and they will come back down. And so if you or someone who you know is interested in buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area, contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Uh, No matter your age, family situation, or financial situation, Kellen Hunt can help you. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you, the buyer, get a piece of the action. Who doesn't want some extra money right now? Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and book an introductory call with Kellen Hunt. If you're trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. The 7-5-1 Commanders are coming out of their bye week this week, a big week with the big game against the 7-5-1 New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football at 8-20. And we did have some Commanders news on Monday. The Commanders on Monday announced two roster moves, uh, the activating of quarterback Carson Wentz from the reserve injured list to the 53-man roster and the placing of center Tyler Larson on the reserve injured list. Uh, Let us first deal with Commander Carson. Uh, So he is back on the active roster, finally. Uh, He in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football on October 13th, suffered a fractured right ring finger. He underwent surgery for the finger on October 17th. The commanders placed him on the reserve injured list on October 22nd. The belief was that he would be out for four to six weeks, but Monday marked eight weeks since the surgery. Uh, Monday was December 12th, October 17th to December 12th is eight weeks. Uh, So he ended up being out for a good bit longer than had been anticipated. The commanders on November 23rd designated Carson to return to practice, beginning a 21-day window by the end of which the team needed to activate him to the 53-man roster or keep him on the reserve injured list for the rest of the season. The expiration of that 21-day window was coming up, so the commanders this week had to activate Carson to the 53-man roster in order for him to be eligible to play again this season. Uh, Commanders head coach Rod Rivera is expected to speak to reporters on Tuesday. Uh, Ron, in his last session with reporters, is uh, day after the game Zoom press conference on December 5th of the 20-all tie at the Giants on December 4th, said that Carson, when activated, would be the commander's primary backup quarterback. Uh, This was Ron on December 5th. Well, I feel comfortable with Taylor, but, um, you know, when, when, when Carson's activated, he will be the primary backup, and we'll go from there. All right, there you go. 
Uh, now, I would not just assume that Carson Wentz will be active and serving as the commander's uh, QB2 for this Sunday night's rematch with the Giants, because as we have learned with edge defender Chase Young, it's one thing to be activated to the 53-man roster. It's another thing to be active on game days. It is possible that Carson still isn't healthy enough to play and thus will not be active for this Sunday night. But geez, I mean, you would think that by now this fractured right ring finger has healed. Keep this in mind, though. Carson in that win at the Bears wasn't just dealing with a fractured right ring finger. Uh, He, in the days leading up to the game, was listed as dealing with a right shoulder ailment. But NFL insider Tom Pelissero of NFL Network and NFL.com on the morning of the Commander's game at the Bears reported that Carson was dealing with a right biceps tendon strain that he suffered in the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5. And Carson, on the final snap of the third quarter of the win at the Bears, uh, hurt his right ankle. Uh, This on a two-yard pistol read option run on a second and goal at the seven. So it is possible that Carson has been out for longer than anticipated due to recovering from injuries beyond his fractured right ring finger. Whatever the case, uh, Taylor Heineke on Sunday night is set to be the commander starting quarterback for an eighth consecutive game. I do think that it is possible that Ron Rivera, at some point over the Commanders' final four regular season games, will bench Taylor in favor of Carson Wentz. I do think that Ron is open to that. I think that that explains why Ron, since naming Taylor as a team starting quarterback, has spoken of Taylor the way that Ron has spoken of Taylor, uh, i.e. in a rather lukewarm way. Although Ron, in that day after the game Zoom press conference on December 5th, did actually speak pretty positively of Taylor. But Ron has said that the commander starting quarterback job is a game to game, and I don't think that that has changed. Uh, injury aside, if this Sunday night, the Commanders beat the Giants, then Taylor Heineke will remain as the Commanders' starting quarterback. If this Sunday night, the Commanders lose to the Giants, but Taylor plays well, then Taylor will remain as the Commanders' starting quarterback. But if this Sunday night, the Commanders lose to the Giants and Taylor struggles, and then six days later, the Commanders lose at the San Francisco 49ers and Taylor struggles, then I do think that we could see Carson reinstalled as the Commanders' starting quarterback for their final two regular season games. I think that that is very much on the table. Uh, Something that I have been encouraged about with Taylor Heineke this season is that while he has been far from perfect, he has yet to have a crater game. You know, one of Taylor's biggest problems last season was that some of his bad games weren't just bad, they were horrendous. As I have said of Taylor, his good was great, his bad was awful. ESPN's total QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Taylor, in three of his final four games in the 2021 regular season, had a total QBR of 6.3 or less. That's atrocious. (laughs) Uh, Taylor's 2021 season ended not on a high note, but on a low note. And this was part of why basically nobody questioned the team last offseason going hard after an upgrade at quarterback. But Taylor so far this season has avoided the atrocious. And no, that's not the standard for playing quarterback in the NFL, okay? Avoiding being atrocious. But there is something to be said for even when you're not playing great, finding a way 
to be at least functional and finding a way to play better as the game goes on. And Taylor has done those things. His penchant for responding well to playing poorly in the same game is really impressive. Uh, The win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in Week 7. Taylor began that game just 1 of 7 for just 18 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick 6. But Taylor, over the rest of the game, went 19 of 26 for 183 yards, 2 touchdowns, and no interceptions. Uh, The win at the Indianapolis Colts in Week 8. Taylor had a really bad fourth quarter interception, but he then came up huge over the Commanders' final two offensive drives. The win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football in Week 10. Uh, Taylor had a first quarter loss fumble on a sack strip, had a fourth quarter interception, but he came up big on a number of plays. The tie at the Giants in Week 13. You know, Taylor was having a so-so game. He had that bad miss on the commander's first offensive drive, which resulted in kicker Joey Sly's first quarter 21-yard field goal, the fifth snap of the drive, first and 10 For the Commanders at the Giants 22, Taylor was way off on an under center play action incompletion intended for tight end Logan Thomas, who was wide open. But then Taylor was masterful on the Commanders game tying touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. Taylor on that drive, six of eight for 90 yards and a touchdown. And included in that mix was one of the plays of the Commanders season, the fifth snap of the drive, the next to last snap prior to the second half two minute warning. Fourth and four for the Commanders at their 27. Taylor, a 20-yard shotgun completion to receiver Curtis Samuel off Taylor scrambling to his left on a broken play on which three Giants players were running after Taylor. Uh, Speaking of players running after Taylor Heineke, uh, yeah, the Commander's offensive line, another blow to the offensive line with the team on Monday, placing Tyler Larson on the reserve injured list. Uh, Tyler Larson in the tie at the New York Giants in week 13 got carted off the field in the fourth quarter. He was replaced by Nick Martin. Uh, Larson, after the game, was seen on crutches with his right leg in a brace. Uh, Commander's insider John Keim of ESPN on Monday afternoon tweeted that Larson needs to have his right meniscus repaired and needs to have some other cleanup in the knee. Uh, This, of course, is with the Commander's number one center, Chase Roulier, still being on the reserve injured list. Uh, He's been on that since September 20th due to a right knee injury that he suffered in the loss at the Detroit Lions at week two. So it would appear that uh, Nick Martin or Wes Schweitzer will be the commander starting center moving forward. I would prefer Wes. Uh, Nick has had problems with his shotgun snaps, and he appeared to be at fault for that disastrous play in overtime in the tie at the Giants. The commander's second offensive drive of overtime resulted in a three and out. The first snap of the drive, first and 10 for the commanders at their 10, and defender Kayvon Thibodeau came in unblocked for a sack of Taylor Heineke for an eight-yard loss, and the play nearly resulted in a game-ending safety. Uh, Thibodeau was not blocked at all. Uh, was not blocked by left tackle Charles Leno Jr. due to what appeared to be the wrong protection call by Nick Martin. But here's the thing. Wes Schweitzer might have to play right guard. Uh, The commander starting right guard in the tie at the Giants was Samuel Cosme. He got hurt on the first offensive snap of the third quarter. Uh, He suffered an ankle injury and replacing him was Wes Schweitzer, who the commanders the previous Saturday had activated to the 53-man roster from the reserve injured list. Uh, Wes had been on injured reserve since October 1st due to a concussion that he suffered in the loss to the Eagles at FedEx Field in week three. Cosme in the tie at the Giants was the commander starting right guard because Trey Turner was inactive due to knee 
and ankle ailments. You got all of that? <laughs> uh, this is uh, a very complicated situation for the commanders right now in terms of the interior of the offensive line. By the way, second consecutive season in which Washington is depleted big time at center. Uh, do you remember Keith Ismail? Uh, he, in the 2021 regular season, was Washington's fourth string center, but he ended up starting five of the team's final six games due to injuries slash absences for Chase Rulier, Tyler Larson, and Wes Schweitzer. Uh, Ismail now is on the San Francisco 49ers practice squad, but Rulier, Larson, and Schweitzer all have missed substantial time over the last two seasons. The commanders this offseason may well need to rebuild their offensive line. It, to me, has been the most disappointing unit on the team this season. The combination of injury and ineffectiveness has been rough. Uh, now, the line has been better lately as compared to earlier in the season, but the line isn't anywhere near the strength that it was the previous two seasons, especially last season. Uh, Washington finished the 2021 regular season number nine in the NFL in team pass block win rate for ESPN and number one in the NFL in team run block win rate for ESPN. But the commanders for the 2022 regular season through week 13 were number 28 in the NFL in team pass block win rate for ESPN and were number 15 in the NFL in team run block win rate for ESPN. Uh, you know, Tyler Larson, Wes Schweitzer, Trey Turner, and Nick Martin all are set to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason. Uh, you, of course, have the potential for guys under contract beyond this season to get cut. I do think that some real change for the commander's offensive line could be coming this offseason. But in the meantime, uh, got to figure out a way to get at least solid offensive line play over the team's final four games of the 2022 regular season, including this game against the Giants this Sunday night. Remember, the Giants in that tie with the Commanders now two Sundays ago totaled five sacks and 10 quarterback hits. Up next, our special guest, Commanders insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. I'll ask Michael whether he thinks that Rod Rivera thinks that he may go back to Carson Wentz as the team's starting quarterback at some point this season, whether the Commanders are going to make the playoffs, and a lot more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the Commanders are in the heat of a playoff race. No podcast or show covers the Commanders like this podcast does. And so now's a great time to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast. If you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode and utilize what we like to call the power of the pod, uh, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. The commanders in week 14 ended up having a glorious bye week in which they moved up two spots in the NFC playoff standings and gained control of the conference's second wildcard spot. The commanders in week 15 have their biggest game of the season to date and one of their biggest games in years. 7-5 and 1 Commanders versus the 7-5 and 1 New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football at 8:20. The Commanders at 7-5 and 1 win a tiebreaker with the 7-5 and 1 Giants based on best winning percentage in division games. So the Commanders right now are the number 6 seed in the NFC and the Giants right now are the number 7 seed in the NFC. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast Cast. Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com, which is the site for the Richmond Times Dispatch. You can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael P R T D. Hey Michael, how are you? Hey, doing great. Uh, I think we're all recharged off of the bye week. Hopefully the team is too. And uh, it's fun to be talking about a, a legitimate big game. Yes, it is. Uh, great to have that. Uh, you have covered this team for years. Does it feel to you? like the Commanders are going to make the playoffs this season? Like, is this season to you feeling like a playoff season for the team? Well, I think if they win this weekend, they're absolutely in. And I feel like if they lose, they've got a lot of work to do. And, you know, everybody's saying, oh, the Cowboys will be resting their starters in Week 18. Like, I don't know, man. We played that game with the Giants a few years ago and Kirk Cousins. It doesn't always end the way you think it's going to end. So I do think there's a lot riding on this in terms of yes or no. I, I give you a yes right now. I think they win Sunday. I think they should win Sunday. Um, I think this is a playoff caliber defense, full stop, period. I, I think they're playing that well. I think there's that much talent. Um, obviously, there, there's a lot left to be desired offensively, but they're, they're getting it done. And I, I mean, I go back to this defense. This is a playoff caliber defense. I'm with you on that. Uh, the list of truly big regular season games at FedEx Field isn't exactly a mile long, okay? I think we all get that. Uh, the biggest regular season game at FedEx Field pretty clearly was the win over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 of the 2012 season to win the NFC East. Would you say that this game against the Giants this Sunday night is the biggest regular season game at FedEx Field since that 2012 game against the Cowboys? Yeah, I think the only one you'd put up against it would be the Giants uh, win an in-game where, where Kirk Cousins threw the interception late and they did not win. Um, obviously, we, we forget about that game because they lost, but going into that, that was a big week, a lot of hype, uh, obviously a big game against a good Giants team. So that, that's the only one I'd put in the ballpark. But it does feel like 
with the two weeks of hype. And, you know, the quarterback drives the conversation. This town, everybody knows that. Everybody's always known that. We had Robert in 2012, and that gave the game a lot of juice, that he was there and, and riding high. Um, Cousins was never that level of excitement. I Not to suggest that Taylor Heineke's on any sort of star level comparable with RG3, but people like the kid and people root for the kid. I, I think that's providing a lot of juice here. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but on Twitter, Taylor Heineke this past Saturday morning got props from probably the number one actor on the planet, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, uh, for Taylor's past with the XFL, for which The Rock now is an owner. So the Taylor Heineke phenomenon now includes The Rock. And that's, that's what I'm saying. How can you not love this kid and his story? I'm, I'm sure we'll have a nice uh, Sunday night football feature about him and, and you know, the couch in Atlanta and, and all that good stuff. And he's, he's easy to root for. We can, we can all yell for him to be benched for three hours and then get back together. <laughs> that's so true. Uh, with Taylor, which of the following is uh, truer? Uh, the Commanders have a 5-1-1 one one record with Taylor as their starting quarterback in this 2022 regular season because of Taylor or in spite of Taylor? We're closer to because of Taylor. And I, I mean, I think back and uh, I mean, look, the offensive line you know, had a rough day against the Giants. I think we all saw that. And, and yet, the sack numbers didn't really reflect it. You think back, they had a rough day against the Eagles earlier this year. Carson Wentz was on his butt nine times. I mean, I'm not going to suggest that Taylor Heineke is winning the games. He's not winning the games, but I think he's not losing them. He's really allowed them to lean into this time of possession battle. He's made some nice big plays for them. I mean, I think one of the biggest plays he's made all season was in Philly when the snap goes over his head and he finds a way to salvage nothing out of that instead of, of losing the yardage and, and putting the team in a, in a long down and distance situation. I, he, he makes plays like that. And man, if you just, there's, there's two throws the last two games. If you get them both back, we're good here. The one to Logan, obviously that, that would have set up a touchdown and the, the one to Terry in the end zone the week before that, if he just hits those two, I don't think there's any discussion about him. Um, but, but as it is, he's leaning into the style they're playing and, and really enabling. We did have the news on Monday. The Commanders activating Carson Wentz to the 53-man roster of him having been on the reserve injured list since October 22nd due to the fractured right ring finger. Barring Taylor Heineke getting injured, do you think that we're done with Carson playing for the Commanders this season or not necessarily? No, I, I think if they lose this weekend, I could see Ron getting itchy and, and, and maybe making the change. It, it, you've always felt through this whole thing like Ron is just one game away from saying, screw it, I'm, I, I'm doing it. I'm going back to Carson. Um, and, and obviously, if, if they lose on Sunday, put, put themselves in a hole, need a spark down the stretch. You can see the different ways Ron would sell it and the different ways he's tentatively committed to Taylor along the way. Uh, I wouldn't do it personally. Um, I wouldn't see Carson again unless it's week 18 and it doesn't mean anything. Uh, and even then you probably you could make the case for Sam Howell, obviously, but uh, I wouldn't do it, but I, I'm not taking it off the table. Yeah, it has been impossible to ignore the way that Ron Rivera has talked about Taylor Heineke since he became the team starting quarterback. You know, these tepid endorsements, these blunt statements. If Ron does go back to Carson Wentz as the team's QB1 at some point over the team's final four regular season games, do you think that it's reasonable to think that the second go-round, 
for Carson as a team starting quarterback this season would be better than the first go round. I think Ron is talking himself into that as we speak. I, I think he's convincing himself of that. I'm not sure I buy it in, in large part. I just want to isolate the Terry McLaurin factor for a second. One, Terry McLaurin's the best player on the offense, period. Include Carson, include Taylor, include whoever you want to include. Terry McLaurin's the best player on that offense. He plays better with Terry than he played with Carson. And that's not unfixable, but we saw that during training camp too. That you know that that was a that was a camp long thing that that Wentz's guy was Jahan Dotson. Uh, and was all through training camp in the first couple of weeks there. Um, so I, I think by making that move, you make your best player, uh, you know, not as effective on the field. I think that's a big factor. Also regarding Carson Wentz. So among the many things that uh, came out last Thursday via the final report from Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform on its investigation into Washington's workplace misconduct scandal was the transcript of the Dan Snyder deposition this past July 28th. And within that transcript was Dan saying that the commander's trade for Carson Wentz this past March was primarily a production of General Manager Martin Mayhew, uh, that the trade, quote, was actually Martin Mayhew's entire strategy, end quote. So you take a step back. You have this reveal from Dan. You have the ESPN report from this past October 13th on Dan saying that the trade for Carson was driven by Dan. Uh, You also have Ron Rivera having said that he very much wanted Carson and, quote, looked at the analytics, end quote. Uh, What does Michael Phillips believe about who truly was behind the commander's trade for Carson Wentz? Yeah, I'd throw one more on the pile for you, and that was Dan Snyder's testimony to the Maryland Betting Commission, uh, where he said, "We've, you know, hey guys, we finally got our quarterback unprompted," um, which was certainly a point towards Dan's enthusiasm. And in the Congress transcript, there was also was he, you know, I was so happy. I, I forget exactly what it was. He was he was very happy about it. Uh, it was like he did cartwheels or something, you know, not not literally, I would presume, but um, <laughs> you know, I I think back to the Robert trade as well. And when that happened, everybody lined up to take credit for it and pat themselves on the back. And then five years later, everybody lined up dependent on Dan or Mike or Bruce or whoever. Um, I think this was a group decision. And, and you know, Ron very clearly communicated going into the offseason, we're going to go get a quarterback. Um, and I, I think obviously Dan is always on board with getting a quarterback. That's good for business. Um, and Martin Mayhew, of course, works works for Ron, essentially. So, so he's on board with getting a quarterback. Um, I, I think they collectively saw Carson to be the best quarterback who they could get. Now, it is funny to look back at that search because everybody wanted Russell Wilson. And boy, that is that is uh, that is a, a bit of a laugh right now, obviously, given what he's up against, imagining you know, what would have happened if they'd given up several first-round picks for Russell Wilson. Um, I think that Carson was the best quarterback they were able to acquire in that moment, in that time, and they were all pleased with the outcome. Another big thing from Washington's offseason, and this thing actually dates to late last season, was Rod Rivera saying that the team's 2022 season needed to be a step-forward season. Now, Ron backed off that during the 1-4 and four start, uh, hasn't really addressed the notion of the step-forward season since then. You know, we obviously can define a step-forward season in a variety of ways, but would the commanders making the playoffs this season qualify it as a step-forward season, in your opinion? 
Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, whatever the offense ends up becoming, the defense has taken a step forward. We, you know, we, we had such high hopes for the defense going into last year. And as I look back on that, I don't think it was unjustified. You had Chase Young coming off of a rookie of the year performance. You had a, a group that was really playing its best ball down the stretch. I don't think it was unfair going into 21 to say this is a defense that should be really good. And I, I mean, obviously, you can play the clips of the ESPN people saying top five or best in the conference or best in the division or whatever. Uh, I don't think those were unfounded expectations. And, and they obviously were massively disappointing last year. Um, they have taken that step back towards where they were and taken the step forward this year. Um, Obviously, I think a lot of this season is going to be judged off of what happens Sunday night when it matters against a team that by all accounts is is on is regressing instead of progressing right now. Um, but if they take care of business, I think and make the plus, I think this is absolutely a successful season. We're talking with Commanders insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. One of the biggest reasons for the Commanders defense being so good this season, of course, is interior defensive lineman Deron Payne. I don't love focusing on the offseason while the team is in the midst of a playoff push, but it's hard to watch Deron kill it and not think about him being set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. What do you think is going to happen with Deron contractually? Yeah, I think going into the season, you assumed this would be his last year here, and I assume the opposite. Now, something's happened league-wide that has really changed the calculus, and that is, I think you can franchise tag him. You know, the, the word has always been, you don't franchise tag a defensive tackle because you've got to pay him defensive end money in a lot of cases, and that's that's not wise to do. That's That's not a savvy play. I think this is going to be a market. Everybody's very reactive in the NFL. It's a, you know, it's a look and react league. The run is back this year, and defensive tackles are at a premium this year. I think there's a chance that franchise tag number is close to what he's going to get on the open market. I could see them kicking that can down the road one more time. Yeah, and we know that the kicking of the can via a franchise tag is something that uh, this team has done often over the years. The team has been Cristiano Ronaldo uh, in terms of kicking cans down roads via franchise tags. Uh, All right, well, as we know, uh, with the commanders, there is the the on-the-field stuff and there is the the off-the-field stuff. And there is no bigger off-the-field item for the team right now than the sale of the team. It was on November 2nd that the commanders put out a statement confirming a report from Forbes earlier that morning that the team's co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, were exploring a sale of the team. Quote, Dan and Tanya Snyder and the Washington commanders announced today that they have hired B of A Securities to consider potential transactions. And quote, the why behind that statement remains so important. Uh, The Washington Post on November 17th reported that Dan essentially has to sell the team because it is by 2028 that he has to repay the loan that he took out to buy out his disgruntled minority investors, Dwight Shaw, Robert Rothman, and Fred Smith in 2021. And so regarding the true why behind Dan being open to selling the team off him having not been open to selling the team. Is Dan open to selling the commanders by choice, or does he essentially have no choice but to sell the team? I believe Dan is selling reluctantly. I I think he reads the writing on the wall. I think he sees he has lost uh, kind of the 
the friends and the backing he's got in the league. Um, I thought a telling quote from that ESPN piece was Jerry Jones. I don't think I can protect him anymore. Um, that is, you know, protection from the loan coming due. Um, it, it's funny how close, you know, you look back at several moments along the way. If Virginia gets that stadium bill through, I don't think we're here right now. Um, you know, all those little things that add up along the way that could have nudged this one way or the other. I think the leaking of the John Gruden emails is potentially a very big story. Uh, not that we're sleeping on that. That's obviously well reported on, but a big factor here. I think certainly his wife taking a more prominent role and receiving a lot of public ridicule in the process is probably a contributing factor here. I think the loan is probably number one on my list of things forcing his hand. If he gets ahead of that, uh, you know, he's in a less desperate situation now selling. But I, I absolutely believe, I'm speculating now, not reporting, but I, I believe he is reluctantly selling the team, not, you know, this isn't a changed mind. I've decided I want to sell the team. This is a, I think I'm out of options and I have to sell the team. I tell you, the leaking of the emails from Bruce Allen during his time as a Redskins executive remains so hysterical to me. The report from the House Committee on Oversight and Reform last Thursday included Bruce having told the committee that, per the NFL, Dan Snyder was responsible for the infamous leaked Bruce Allen emails, which, of course, effectively reignited the workplace misconduct scandal, which had basically been over. And so that Dan himself apparently leaked the emails and brought back the scandal, which is part of what may well be his ultimate demise as owner of the commanders, is an irony that is an all-timer, man. The vengeance and the revenge and all of that, you know, we, the Dan Snyder revenge stories are legion, of course, across the years. But uh, it's funny to think he, he may have finally met his match in Bruce Allen. Yeah, yeah, that really is something. As far as who might buy the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder, the name that comes up the most, of course, is that of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Uh, he has the most money of any ownership contender who we've heard about. Uh, do you think that Jeff Bezos would make for the next best owner of the team? Well, I'm fascinated because, you know, I, I think there's two priorities for the fans. And one is to have a stadium they can be proud of and a location that works for everybody. And obviously, RFK is going to be number one on everybody's list when that happens. But I think there are a number of other sites that, that are more suitable than, than the Twitter crowd gives them credit for. Um, so, a, you know, a, a state-of-the-art stadium that you can really enjoy going to games too. That's very important. And Bezos can, of course, obtain that easily. And number two is the winning product on the field, man. He's got to win above everything else. And I don't know if he could do that or not. I, I, my sense would be he wouldn't be crazy hands-on with it. He's launching rockets. He's running companies. He's giving out hundreds of millions of dollars to charity. Like he's a busy man. I, you know, so a lot of that would come down to who he entrusts the the day-to-day -day with whoever's in that, that team president role. Um, you know, and, I don't know that you can conclusively say he would be good or this isn't baseball where you can cut a check and, you know, go Steve Cohen and, you know, assemble a great rotation, all of a sudden be a threat. Uh, this is a salary cap sport. And, and I don't know that it's a given at all that, that he would be successful on that side. But I, I think he'd certainly stand as good a chance as anybody else. The Commander Stadium situation, you've covered it very well. Would new ownership of the team change the situation to where the team would have what it has wanted but has not had? And that is a true bidding war between Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia to be the location for the team's next stadium and team facility. Would new ownership incite D.C., Maryland, and Virginia into being, you know, hot and heavy 
after the Commanders? I think it's hot, and I think it's heavy. I, I think it's both. I, 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 I think it will be a full reversal the day the sale sell ha- sale happens. I think everybody's going to want in on this. I mean, you know, and, and the, you know, the former governor of Maryland, soon to be former governor of Maryland, has discussed that. Uh, you know, he wanted him in National Harbor. Like, you know, he was ready to facilitate that. So this isn't even a case of Maryland being cold. They tried to be hot, and Dan didn't want that that land. Um, D.C.'s fascinating. You, you need a little bit of juice to make that happen with Congress. That's not a given. The RFK site's not just going to pry itself open. That still remains complicated. But Virginia has always wanted the team, and they'll be in for sure. So it's at the very minimum a two-state race, and, and, you know, we'd see what shakes down in D.C. Final question. The closest thing to a timeline for a sale of the Commanders was Fox Sports NFL insider Jay Glazer on Fox NFL Sunday on November 6th, reporting that the hope was to have the sale finalized by the NFL League meeting in March 2023. Do you believe that having the sale completed as soon as then is realistic? I don't bet against Roger Goodell. This is the guy who staged two seasons during pandemics, reinvented the draft and the process buries the league's dirty laundry and, and, you know, just as quickly as anybody else. I, Dan is a formidable obstacle here. He's going to move as fast as he wants to move. Um, Roger is absolutely working to make this thing happen. It, it, it's easier for everybody if it happens by the league meeting, because then when the league year starts, you have certainty on who's paying signing bonuses, who's, who's hiring coaches, who's giving approval, all that. So that's good for everybody. I don't doubt Roger's working overtime to make that happen and, and earn his, his $68 million. Well, I'm not sure if Michael Phillips makes $68 million a year, but he has earned his money uh, with this conversation. Michael, thanks a lot for your time and all the best. Hey, good stuff. Catch you later. Well, as you know, an NBA team's 82-game regular season is long. Uh, You can't get too worked up with what happens with your team in a season before, say, Christmas. Uh, That said, you also don't want your team to be buried by Christmas. And the Wizards right now are flirting with being buried by Christmas. Uh, The Wizards fell to 11-17 and with a 112-100 loss to the Brooklyn Nets at Capital One Arena on Monday night. The Wizards now have lost seven consecutive games and 10 of 11 games, uh, the Wizards are 1-10 and 10 since a 10-7 and 7 start. Uh, they have gotten rocked by injury lately, and while they on Monday night did get back a key injured player, they on Monday night also lost another key player to injury, Chris Stamps Porzingis. Uh, he played for just 24 minutes, 5 seconds as a starter due to back tightness. Uh, he went 0-1 on 3, 7-10 on 2s, and 6-6 on free throws, finished with 20 points, 3 rebounds, 2 steals, and 1 assist versus 5 turnovers. Uh, more on the turnovers in a bit. But, you know, Porzingis goes out. This as Bradley Beal, Monte Morris, Rui Hachimura, and DeLon Wright all remain out due to injury. Uh, Bradley Beal missed a fourth consecutive game due to a right hamstring strain that he suffered in a 130-119 loss to the Los Angeles Lakers at Capital One Arena on December 4th. The Wizards on Monday afternoon did provide an update on Beal, uh, tweeted the Wizards on Monday afternoon, quote, injury update, Bradley Beal has been cleared to resume all on-court basketball activities following a reevaluation of his right hamstring strain. He will be out for tonight's game versus Brooklyn. His status moving forward will be determined by his clinical evolution. End quote. Boy, that is quite the phrase. Clinical evolution. 
Uh, anyway, Monte Morris, uh, he on Monday night did not play for a second consecutive game due to left groin soreness. Rui Hachimura, he on Monday night missed a 12th consecutive game due to right ankle soreness. And DeLon Wright has been out since suffering a grade two right hamstring strain in a 120-99 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena on October 25th. The good news for the Wizards from an injury standpoint was that Will Barton was back. Uh, he on Monday night returned from a two-game absence caused by left foot soreness, and he was quite good. Uh, Barton in 33 minutes, six seconds off the bench, four of eight on threes, four of seven on twos, and two of two on free throws. He finished with 22 points, seven assists, versus one turnover and seven rebounds. Uh, nice to see this from Barton, who has not had a good season. He has been a disappointment so far, but he on Monday night was really good. But the Wizards on Monday night overall were not good. Uh, they trailed for the entire second half. Uh, they had defensive issues. Uh, the Wizards did hold the Nets to just eight of 27 on threes, but allowed the Nets to go 36 of 62 on twos. The Wizards got worked by Kevin Durant, native, of course, of Prince George's County, Maryland. Uh, Durant on Monday night in 33 minutes, 26 seconds as a starter, went three of six on threes, eight of 11 on twos, and five of five on free throws, finished with 30 points, nine rebounds, and six assists versus three turnovers. Uh, the Wizards' offense was just so-so. Wizards were okay shooting 11-31 on threes, 26-48 on twos, but the Wizards were bad on free throws, 15-22, of 22, and the Wizards committed a lot of turnovers, 20 turnovers to the Nets' 13. Uh, this was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Monday night on why the Wizards lost to the Nets. Um, you're short on bodies. That doesn't help. Um, the turnovers were a huge piece of that. Um, you know, obviously we had a decent rhythm in the first half. Um, and KP only plays nine minutes in that second half. Really, it becomes really tough. Yes, it does. Uh, Kyle Kuzma on Monday night, 39 minutes, one second as a starter. He went just 4 of 11 on twos and 0 of 4 on free throws, and he committed four turnovers. Uh, he did go 4 of 10 on threes, finished with 20 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists. Daniel Gafford had a good game, 20 minutes, 21 seconds off the bench, 4 of 4 from the field, all twos. Uh, did go just 2 of 4 on free throws, but he finished with 10 points, 10 rebounds, and a team best plus minus rating of plus 9, but... The Wizards are reeling right now. Uh, they are not a great team to begin with, and missing all of these key players has made things a lot worse. Uh, some more from Wes Unsell Jr. on Monday night. You got to keep guys positive. You still got to coach, hold guys accountable. Um, but we're, we're light on bodies, and it's tough when you got a handful of your rotation players. Um, you know, I'm hoping at some point. In a weird way, this helps us. You know, these young guys, guys who haven't gotten a ton of opportunity to get to play, um, down the line, hopefully that helps us. Yeah, and next up for the Wizards is a season-long six-game road trip with all of the games happening out west. Yeah, the timing for this, uh, not exactly ideal. Uh, the Wizards are at the Denver Nuggets Wednesday night at 9. All right, a few items before we call it a show. Navy Director of Athletics Chet Gladchuk on Monday did a virtual press conference to explain the firing of head football coach Kenny Amatololo. Uh, we got the stunning announcement of that on Sunday afternoon, and Gladchuk on Monday made it very clear that the recent results for Navy football are not good enough. 
Uh, okay, it is true that Navy now has had three consecutive losing seasons, and it's just four and ten against Army and Air Force over the last seven seasons. I would just say this: uh, yes, Navy can do better, but Navy also can do worse. Uh, Navy can do much worse. Uh, Ken Niamatololo was named Navy head coach in December 2007. He, as Navy head coach, went 109 and 83, became the winningest head coach in Navy football history. It is not easy to win at Navy given the many restrictions with Navy being a service academy. And yet, Niamatololo won at Navy, and he is regarded as all class. Be careful what you set yourself up for when you get rid of a guy like Kenny Amatololo. Now, we'll see, okay? Maybe Chet Gladchuk already is Navy's next head coach in mind. Uh, Defensive coordinator Brian Newberry is the interim head coach. But the entire feel of this dismissal isn't exactly great. Did you see what Kenny Amatololo told ESPN College Football Insider Heather Dinich? Uh, He told her that he was sitting by himself at his locker following Navy's 2017 double overtime loss to Army at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia this past Saturday when Chet Gladchuk walked in and fired Niamatololo. I mean, that is something. Uh, Said Niamatololo to Heather Dinich, quote, first of all, we just got kicked in the gut. I was a little bit numb prior to him saying that. So most of it, I couldn't comprehend. I'm just like, Chet, why don't you take some time to relax? He said, well, it's been building up, end quote. All right. Again, be careful what you set yourself up for when you get rid of a guy like Ken Niamatololo. Uh, Also, the Mid-Atlantic region now has three teams in the Associated Press Top 25 poll in men's college basketball. Uh, The latest poll came out on Monday. Virginia moved up from number three to number two. Uh, Maryland did fall seven spots from number 13 to number 20, but Virginia Tech is in. Uh, The Hokies are the number 24 team in the country, and new Nationals pitcher Trevor Williams on Monday afternoon did an introductory Zoom press conference. He said that he has been told that he'll be a starter for the Nats in the 2023 season. I talked about the Nats free agent acquisition of Williams uh, late in Monday's show, episode 461, and that will do it for you and me for now. Get the feedback coming. You can tweet me at at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday's show, episode 463. We'll have a lot on the commanders as we expect head coach Ron Rivera to speak to reporters on Tuesday. So we should have a lot to get into. Also on Wednesday's show, I'll talk Capitals. The Caps are at the Chicago Blackhawks Tuesday night at nine. By the way, the NHL on Monday named Caps goaltender Charlie Lindgren as the NHL's first star for the week ending December 11th. Uh, Lindgren has been the cap starting goaltender recently due to Darcy Kemper having suffered an upper body injury in a 5-2 loss at the Calgary Flames on December 3rd. Lindgren over four starts from December 5th through the 11th had a goals against average of 150 and a save percentage of 949. Really good stuff. Charlie Lindgren is the 10th different Caps goaltender to earn first star slash player of the week honors and the first since Braden Holtby in March 2011. How about that? Way to go, Charlie. Uh, Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Well, I feel comfortable with Taylor, but, um, you know, when, when, when Carson's activated, he will be the primary backup, and we'll go from there.